This is a Crow's Nest podcast. It is time. Is it time to sleep or time to talk? Oh, I wish it was time to sleep. Everyone always wants naps. We both of us literally just talked about how we brewed a cup of tea and we're also thinking about how nice it would be to nap. Yep, and specifically about the tea, one of us didn't steep it long enough and the other one forgot about their tea and has to leave right before recording <laughs> to go get it. Uh, no prizes for guessing which one's which. <laughs> no, we're amazing at this. How dare you? <laughs> I always wonder why people hire me to edit their episodes when they listen to me because it's like, I'm a disaster, it sounds like, but I am reliable for doing that shit. <clears throat> so you're reliable as long as you're not being asked to do anything related to steeping or, or liquids. Yeah, I've definitely fucked up my tea twice today. Oh yeah, y'all don't know. This is the second time I've the first time I um I set up the tea and boiled the water, but then forgot the crucial step of putting the water in the tea. <laughs> and then was I was like, why? <laughs> we all hope that the tea's going to steep by osmosis. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be lovely. It would be, but uh, how are you doing? I'm good, and I'm Gally. Oh yeah, I'm Alexia, and I'm pretty good too. I'm still in the process of moving. Um, Gally, I'm on to a new moving challenge. Ooh, what's your new moving challenge? How do I move my Lego Titanic again? So so when I brought it over here, it it comes apart in three parts. Okay. As as, as did the original ship. Two parts. Uh... (laughs) Dang it. <laughs> but, I was um, hoping. For, I know, wouldn't that be fun? No, it wouldn't be. I think people would be mad about that. But um, for those of you who don't know, I my other podcast is very indicative of my other in, um, interest. It's called Titanic Talkline. I love Titanic and its history. So I bought myself the $700 Lego Titanic set, which when fully assembled is four and a half feet long. And it comes it's apart. Huge. It's huge. And it comes apart organically into three pieces. And when I moved here... From Maryland to Texas, I put each one in a box and then just stuffed the box full of packing peanuts. But that's because I was moving across the country. Mm-hmm. I'm only moving like 10 miles away. So I don't necessarily want to like super pack it like that because I also don't have those packing peanuts anymore. I got rid of them. But yeah. I'm, I don't know what – do I just like put them in boxes and drive slow? Well, so really the only <clears throat> proper way uh, to bring your Titanic to its maiden voyage to your home um, – is to pack it, half of it in a box, and then make sure that you have no less than 10 people in officer's uniforms giving it a little bit of a sign-off as you drive it over. Okay. Just salute. I'll try that. Yeah. Farewell. Good journey. A uh, tiny, tiny little bottle of champagne must be knocked against. Yeah, like a little thing. The Titan- Lego champagne, really. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's my current moving challenge is going to be. I think that's going to be one of like the last things that I I take over because I think I'm going to try to like install the shelf that it goes on first and because it's just so big. It's I think I have my microphone in the way of it, but like oh, you have your microphone in the way of it, and yet I can still see the entire girth thing. of the it's Titanic. Huge. So yeah, that's the thing I'm going to. That's the thing I'm going to be doing. Everything else is pretty easy. Like I'm getting movers to come and move like my bookshelf and everything else I can put in a box, but that's it's another challenge for me my dad of course is like doesn't it fit in your car i'm like yes it does but if i stop at a red light <laughs> you will be recreating yes we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a whole new problem on our hands 
Can you, can you maybe, okay, if you're going to put it in your car, can you maybe get some um, scale model icebergs to just kind of <laughs> fill up the space? So if it falls, it just hits an iceberg. Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe. At that rate, I think what I should do is put it in my car and then just fill all the available space in my car with packing peanuts. I fully support this and I fully support the social media posts that you will absolutely <laughs> have to make if that happens. I filled my, ba- the t- I filled my backseat with packing peanuts to transport my Lego Titanic. Click here to see what happens. I hate your TikTok voice and I hate how accurate it is. I think that's why it's annoying because it's it's reasonably accurate. 100%. Yeah. I love the way it chooses to say things like when people write so like S-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-
But to keep her extra safe, the fairies also decide to live as humans and abscond with the baby into the woods and hide her from magic by not using magic because that works. It shockingly actually does work. And they manage to make it to the day of her 16th birthday. But when the fairies find out that they can't sew a beautiful dress or cook or bake a wonderful cake to celebrate her birthday, the fairies end up cheating and using magic. And during another petty fight, Maleficent's pet raven oversees it and tattles. Meanwhile, Aurora, who has been sent out to do something, encounters a stranger who falls in love, comes home, and tells her aunties that she is in love, and they reveal to her right then and there that she is the princess, is betrothed to a prince, and they must absolutely go back to the palace immediately, which they do. They leave Aurora to have a moment by herself in the tower because she's distraught at being separated from the love of her life, or Maleficent enchants her to follow her to the one spinning wheel left in the kingdom where she pricks her finger and falls asleep. To hide their absolute failure, the fairies go around and make the whole kingdom pass out. But it's all cool because Maleficent's managed to catch Prince Philip so they know exactly where he is. They go and find him, free him, and kill both the raven and Maleficent under the guise of goodness. Philip kisses Aurora, which awakens the kingdom. They recognize each other as their soulmates because they were the strangers who met in the woods. Surprise, surprise. And everyone is happy. Everyone is awake. And there was much rejoicing. So what I'm gathering from your summary is that this is a movie of doubling down because <laughs> literally everyone just doubles down on yeah. everything. This, exactly. This is just everyone being like, no, I have made this decision and I have to commit to it. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in it. And it's too late to go back. So I I definitely want to get into our uh, relationship with this movie as a child. Okay. Because this is a very big and very popular movie uh-huh. uh, that apparently was a box office failure when it was initially released. Interesting. Um, it was, it's also <clears throat> Sleeping Beauty has been in production for a very long time because apparently Walt Disney initially wanted to make a version of this in 1938 mm-hmm. and then just kept reworking it over the years. So as a child viewer, did any of that come across to you? <laughs> I had never seen this movie until yesterday. Wait, really? Yeah. I am I shocked and surprised. I had never seen Sleeping Beauty until yesterday. Yeah, so I actually wrote a pretty decent amount of notes because I'd never seen this movie before. I'd seen clips. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I've seen the clip of her, you know, with her vacant expression touching the spinning wheel. I, you know, I've seen the clip of Maleficent whipping her cloak off and being like, here's your precious princess. And, you know, I've seen enough things to, um, un- to you know, the, film, the movie. I've heard the song Once Upon a Dream, uh, but I'd never seen the actual movie end to end. <clears throat> so did you, uh, did you feel then watching it as an adult that you already knew the movie? Yes and no. There was a few things that actually surprised me about it in a good way. I was surprised by how little filler there was in comparison to previous Disney films. I was also surprised by how clever the dialogue was. Um. I'm interested that it opened to mixed reviews, but I'm also not because Lady and the Tramp also opened to mixed reviews when it came out in 1955. And that was only four years prior. Well, I think what I find really fascinating is that you, you directly called out the lack of a subplot and that it was very much driven by one plot, which is apparently a a conscious decision by Mm -hmm. Walt Disney. Um, He said that he wanted to concentrate on the, quote, reality of the story and the subtlety of the main characters. Mm, okay. So that's fascinating that you picked up on that. Well, I like that. I think that's a really good approach. 
Yeah. And you notice it a lot more the, uh, with future films where they, as you said, they focus exclusively on one plot. We did see it a, we did see it a bit with Cinderella. Yes. Where it focused again on, on, on the one plot, on the one plot point, a couple subplots that are tangentially related to it, but it's mostly a story that frames itself around one person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think it will surprise anybody to hear that. Yes, I watched this as a kid. I watched this repeatedly as a kid. Um, and Is this one of your favorites? That's what I'm trying to remember, honestly, mm-hmm. because I watched this a very long time ago. And I think I enjoyed parts of Sleeping Beauty, but I really hated uh, a lot of parts of Sleeping Beauty as a kid. That's fair. Um, That's and I think that. that the younger that I was, the like maybe the more scary it was, but also the more intrigued I was by it. So mm-hmm. I have distinct yeah. memories yeah. of like, enjoying but not really wanting to mm-hmm. repeatedly watch Sleeping Beauty and I realized through re-watching it um, that I think I just have a huge appreciation for the art direction because mm-hmm. this this is a very uh, not standard Disney animation for the time where even yeah. the character designs and the art direction resemble illustrated manuscripts. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly attractive to me but I don't like the plot. <laughs> That's fair it is very simple. Yeah. Um, So, like, I felt like watching this movie again just kind of reiterated, like, okay, this is something that I really probably enjoyed having on in the background. So I could kind of look up and get to see all of these really cool character designs and the the animation of it, but just kind of ignore the actual, like, plot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But that's why I'm excited to to discuss this. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noted to start was that the intro song was at least uh, a little more upbeat and fun. Yes. It's a it's a version of Once Upon a Dream. But yeah, it's not our standard opening lullaby anymore. Um so I was kind of excited when the movie started and we get to hear that recognizable choir opening i was like okay once upon a dream all right i'm really looking forward to this Mm -hmm. i will fully admit that by the end of the movie i was like for the love of god you guys have other songs in this movie stop replaying the exact same song over and over again this movie actually had fewer songs than a lot of other disney movies it was basically once upon a dream and scrumps yes which guess which one i'm going to ask you to sing scrumps yeah Yes, I had a feeling, the one that I don't know the melody to. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I just like the name of it. Um, Rumps doesn't actually mean anything. I think it's a made, I Googled it. It's a made up word. It, yeah, I, yes, I think you're right. But <laughs> instead, we get Once Upon a Dream as the recognizable choir opening. So I think that was great. Mm-hmm. It was a good choice. Um, we still do have the two sets of credits in this one. We have the elaborate animated credits where it opens with a heavily bejeweled book. Um, and then we have the standard text credits at the end. And I just wrote when it, in my notes, like, when did we finally learn that nobody wants two sets of credits? We want one or the other. I, I wish they had. So so the book that you're talking about is definitely an illustrated manuscript that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be reading. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote, I wish that they had put the credits like that at the end. Like, yeah, that I really enjoy when we get to watch credits and there's some type of like animation or illustration going on with it just makes the whole thing. I don't know, more uh, eye-catching. So you actually read the names. Um, so it does do it a little bit of a disservice where it's like, hey, let's in- let's get you invested in this movie by first showing you everybody who worked on this movie. Yeah. 
you almost need that after for that reason to be like hey did you like it here's why Mm -hmm. but they basically starts by saying that they wished for a child and finally got one which i'm kind of like that's not how fertility works but okay and then when they had the princess i think the quote i wrote down was all of high and low estate came to say hi and that's just in my opinion a way of saying that it doesn't matter how poor you are you can't not bring a gift i yeah i i I hate this part of the plot that uh aurora is universally loved throughout her kingdom as a completely unborn entity yeah and the second she is born everyone's just the intro one of the songs is like the kingdom singing like health to the princess hail to the princess wealth to the princess like she doesn't need the wealth i think she's good yeah, I think your princess is going to be just fine. You guys don't. Well, I guess this is actually pretty, pretty similar to modern culture. How many people fall over themselves to talk God. about how much they love the British monarchy? It's so weird. And I don't understand it. I don't either. <clears throat> As Americans, we think that uh, worshiping one singular human is bullshit. There are Americans who are super into the royal family, though. Do you remember? The Princess Diana Plates? Yeah. I remember those yeah and when the ba- the new babies were born people were like buying magazines and watching and stuff it was it's weird I thought it was weird back then like even it, it's so strange to be like let me worship this monarchy that technically I'm living in a country that was trying to escape that monarchy yeah but no this whole kingdom is showing up to celebrate this baby and I think it's very fun how the queen doesn't get a name in this movie. It's just like <laughs> King Stefan and the queen. So she... I just wrote in my note, Stefan and some broad. Stefan and some broad is pretty much how they, they treat her because she also only like shows up twice. <laughs> yeah. The king at least happens a few times. The king happens a few times. He actually gets, like you said, he gets an entire song. So there's some focus on him, but yeah. she's just the baby popper. She's just there to, to pop him out. Yeah, um, but this is where we meet Philip for the first time. He's like, I don't know, six five, six or seven or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we get to meet tiny little Prince Philip, who I assumed was also six or seven, where he gets to be introduced to Aurora by saying, here's your future wife. And the face of disgust he makes is great. I I felt like his facial expression was just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. He makes yeah. a face. He goes like, yeah for a hot second he makes a face but we can't focus on him and his face for too long because the three good fairies come and i want to know who decided that is that decided by your deeds or you just get told at birth that you're bad or you're good i wonder that too like i don't this is another one of those movies where i wish we understood the fairy hierarchy more yes and i feel like i'm gonna say that phrase (laughs) multiple times (laughs) yeah who who are these fairies? Why are they good? What's their difference versus Maleficent? Like, I don't they're just get it. yeah, they're good apparently. And Flora the Red One, who I pointed out last week, this is Aunt Sarah. This is Aunt yes. Sarah from Lady in the Tramp, and Aunt, not just Aunt Sarah. She was like a bunch of Disney people. This is her first, I think, like heroes role, um, because she has yeah, she was. Um, she was the queen of hearts i think she was also like she was a couple of other things where it was a little bit more like the quote-unquote the anti-hero or the ladies for Maine, right 
Yes, Lady Tremaine. Yes, so that's what she's been. But here she's a Flora, and Flora is the first to give her gift, and she gives her the gift of beauty, which is hilarious to me because then she just basically goes on to describe how hot she's going to be as an adult, and I think that's weird. Well, she she gives her the gift of Eurocentric beauty too. Yes, she she gives her the gift of blonde hair, which the one time we see her mom, she's also blonde, so it's kind of like I mean, there was a pretty healthy chance there. There are some genetics at play. What what we're also skipping over is the very weird um, visual aspect of them giving their gifts, oh, where yes. for some reason they decide to show like a galaxy. Yeah, a weird galaxy that looks like the CG ones from like the ni- like the nineties. <clears throat> galaxy on laser disc. <laughs> yes, and then it just like turns into fairy dust and touches Aurora. Yeah, I guess Aurora is a space princess. Maybe. Uh-huh. Ooh. Do you think the fairies are aliens? Maybe. Oh, is this a changeling? I bet that's it. Well, they're giving her gifts. The second is Fauna, and Fauna's gift is the gift of song. And I'm just like, that could be super annoying. Yeah, like, ugh. giving her the gift of song while she's basically singing a lullaby to this baby. I... I feel like the gift of song would be pretty annoying because would it also be, well, I guess they don't really go into any of these gifts. So when we're first looking at this, we're just like, okay, I have no idea how this is going to pan out. Like the gift of beauty. Are we just talking outside physical beauty or are you also giving her the gift of what is arguably more important? Inner beauty. beauty. Both maybe? I hope so. You would hope. Yeah. Uh... We're about to see what the third fairy, the blue fairy, uh, Meriwether, is going to give as her gift. But we get interrupted by Maleficent showing up. Um, And as I described in my summary, she comes in gracefully and gives them an attempt to rectify their social problems. And they say no. I I absolutely love Maleficent. And I had to draw her her shocked Pikachu face version, which she makes as soon as she's like, my invitation was lost just... I'm so surprised and shocked at this. Oh, no, that's after Meriwether says you were unwanted. Oh, that's right. That's right. She goes unwanted. Because that was confirmation that it's like, no, you weren't an oversight. We didn't want you here. It's like, why would you ever tell anyone that? Especially someone whose energy is that intense. What's wrong with you, Meriwether? Throughout the entire movie, um, should have been given the gift of shutting the fuck up. Meriwether, absolutely. Meriwether is me. Meriwether needs to stop talking. I will also, like, fully admit she's probably my favorite fairy. Yes. But I think even I'm smart enough to, if Maleficent said something like, my invitation got lost, I just wouldn't say anything. It's not my party. That's the other thing. These fairies are just all like, "Mm, your invitation got lost because we all hate you. Right. And it's like, uh, who decided that? Yeah. But... It's only after that that shit goes wrong because Maleficent goes, I guess I'll leave then. And the queen goes, you're not mad? And Maleficent, in the passive aggressive queenly tone of hers, goes, no, no. As a matter of fact, I also have a gift for your daughter. Like you could have just given her some hors d'oeuvres and this could have been avoided. This makes me wonder. We're talking about like these relationships to the king and queen that we have no idea about. This right. makes me wonder if Maleficent is related to the queen and is like the queen's cousin. 
maybe. And that's why she's like, oh, I just showed up. And the queen's like, ooh, family's here. Ooh, are you, you're not mad at this, are you? Ooh, sorry about these these other fairies talking for us. I don't know. Because as you said, this beg- this begs the question of what the relationship was. Now, they made the movie Maleficent to go over the backstory a little bit. But I will say that the way that that movie goes does not lend into the story this the animated story so it's kind of hard to say like yeah use that backstory yeah so i guess for all intents and purposes we don't know anything about this version of maleficent except that she's fully aware that she was supposed to be invited at this party <clears throat> and i would argue maybe you felt the same while watching it uh that she's like the best person in this movie too Agreed. like she's, she's just fun i love her she's great yeah. and her petty ass is like my gift for your daughter is going to be uh she starts off nice she's like she's gonna have a great life it's gonna be wonderful it's beautiful they're gonna love her and on her 16th birthday she's gonna prick her finger and fucking die bye and then she just leaves so the time period that this took place in was the 14th century so it does make me kind of wonder 16th birthday yeah like you're just gonna die anyway because of the plague in a few months like really this is a good life yeah Uh, we come back now and we have i love how much pressure they (laughs) they put on meriwether aka lady um as in lady and the tramp she hadn't given her gift yet so now all of a sudden she's sitting there like (laughs) flora and fauna are like you got this go for it give her something and she's just like And she does the semantic-y thingy where she just, like, gives a weird gift. She yes and. Oh my gosh, she does. She totally yes ands her way by saying, my gift to you is going to be that when that thing happens with the spinning needle, you're not going to die. You're just going to fall asleep, very deep sleep, and, 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 and. This is very important. It can be reversed with true love's kiss. She gives the gift of a romantic coma. Uh, Yeah, basically, because that's not weird at all. Well, what I want to know is, what do you think Meriwether's original gift was before Maleficent showed up? Well, let's see. We have beauty and we have song. Um, Speak with animals? That would have been a good one, but apparently that just happened. That's fair. Yeah, that would have been my guess. I think her gift was going to be grace. She is beauty. She is grace. Mm. she sings the same song repeatedly <laughs> she'll sing right in your face she'll sing right in your face yeah <laughs> um yeah they don't think that's enough though the fairies like that weird spell caveat mm-hmm. I don't, why do they not think that i don't understand like well they also like <sighs> So immediately after Maleficent leaves and they make this note that, okay, she'll just be put to sleep instead of killed. Mm -hmm. The king also kind of goes one over and is like, we have to burn all the spindles, get them completely out. Like, I really hope this kingdom didn't rely on textile production. (laughs) I was going to say, I guess they're outsourcing all of their cloth now. Um, Because I I agree. Like the fairies are like, we'll hide her away from society so that she's safe until her 16th birthday and then we can premiere her like a weird debutante and wed her at the same time 
I don't, I don't, I, I think she could have been, I, maybe, okay, maybe this is where the, the story could have diverged into like a Rapunzel thing. Mm-hmm. She could have been kept in the castle. I don't understand why they needed to get her out of the castle because Maleficent's curse is even like, this isn't going to happen until she's 16. Like, she basically is guaranteeing she's going to be safe for 16 years. Why'd they need to spirit her away? Yeah, they could have left her alone uh, for like 15 years, given plenty of time to prepare and tell her Mm -hmm. about what was going to happen, which of course they don't do. Uh, And then at the age of 15, fairy godmothers could have shown up and like, hey, we're going to go on a little vacation for a year. We're going to backpack across Europe. And you know why, because we've told you this now and it's not a shock. Yeah. Also, hey, you already met Prince Philip, so you know he'll be here when you get back because this is how these things work Maybe in this he'll day come and with age. you because he can ride a horse and he's actually pretty good with a sword. So, yeah, he's like six years older than you. Yeah, you guys can so. actually get to know each other a little bit, you know, little bit no. thing. But no, instead, what they do, they're like hatching a plot, and one of them's, I think it's Meriwether's, like, I want to turn her into a toad. And I think Fauna says, that's not a very nice thing to say, dear. Besides, we can't. <laughs> I, like I wish they did though oh my Same. god i would have loved i would have loved if sleeping beauty were actually about the frog princess oh that'd be fun but it's not <laughs> instead we get another gem from someone who's like maleficent doesn't know anything about love and here's where we start to see flora's terrible decision making because this is where she <laughs> She's like, hey, I know the next natural progression is we're going to disguise ourselves as humans and not use magic. We're going to go to this abandoned cottage in the wood and raise a baby. Again, doubling down. Super doubling down. Like, And also, by this time, she has not discussed this with the king and queen yet. This is just a, an idea she's had. I, and she, as far as I know, she doesn't discuss it with the king and queen. She does. She basically, does she actually discuss it and they agree to it? I think the it? narrator says something. It's like, and so with heavy hearts, they watched her take their daughter away. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if there was a conversation there or if Flora went to the king and queen was like, listen, this is how it is. We're going to steal your child. What are you going to do about it? We're fairies. And as far as you know, we think you think we're good fairies, even though I would argue eh, they're kind of more like neutral good. They're chaotic good fairies. Yeah. Meriwether is a chaotic good fairy. That's for sure. She's she. She seems to agree with me that Flora has terrible ideas because she's like, you mean we're going to live like mortals for 16 years? I'm with her. She she is over her sister's bad ideas. She's been following them for a long time and she's done. I, I also wrote the note that, yeah, I get it. Li- living like a mortal sucks. Yeah, I wrote I'm with years Mary. Or 36 years. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow, somehow it works. And they, I do not understand, you know, we, we, we basically cut some Maleficent kind of where they're like, we haven't found her in 16 years. Um, and it turns out the reason they haven't found her is because the goons have been looking for a baby this whole time. And she's, of course, now in her teens. And I thought that was actually very funny. I I loved that. I love that. And I also just, I love the little demons that Maleficent surround her, surrounds herself with. Because they look like, uh, they look like goblins. Yes. And they look like, um, like, they're the inspiration for Jim Henson's puppets for the labyrinth. Like that's what they look like. One of them has the same voice that I think is the crocodile from Robin hood. That's so specific, but it's like, it's extremely deep. Yeah. His Royal Highness King God. I think one of them is one of those goons. I, yeah, I love the little goblins. They're so stupid. (laughs) And, we find out that Maleficent also has force lightning. 
She Maleficent's so awesome. Maleficent has so many good lines in this movie too. She t- she says a disgrace to the forces of evil about like mm-hmm. the goblins not finding them correctly, and I'm like, yes, I say tremendous. this to my cat nightly. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. She entertains me, and she has like this beautiful bright red manicure. Really, a look, <laughs> the best. <laughs> just just a whole mood. We don't get to spend that much time with her though, because she she sends her raven off whose name is Diablo, to go find Aurora. And then we cut back to the cottage where a full-grown Aurora is coming in and she's crept up behind the three fairies who are now humans and they're, like, plotting her birthday. And they (laughs) they chase her out of the house with that whole, like, we're we're not doing anything weird, just just come back later. And Aurora... So we cut to her, and Aurora looks like she is 16 going on 20. Like, this is a 16-year-old who definitely looks a lot older. And then her voice actress, I, so I wrote in my notes just guessing, that's a 22-year-old looking 16-year-old. <laughs> the voice actress, Mary Costa, was actually 22 at the time that she voiced Aurora's. I mean, it makes sense. She does have a much, she's not a teenager. No. This is not a teenager. Her brain is a teenager. Like as we continue to to watch this, she definitely thinks like a sixteen year old who yes. has met the first guy that like gives her any ounce of attention. But I overall <laughs> like Aurora. I think she's kind of funny in her own way. She doesn't say a lot, but I do like that she you know she creeps up behind them and is like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I think I actually that was something that I read about this is that Aurora um, really doesn't talk. She does not say a lot. She yeah. has very few lines. Yeah. And it's like, she's, it's one of the few uh, Disney movies where, or Disney princess movies <laughs> where she, princess doesn't really talk. Yeah. But what she, I do get the vaguest hint that she has a slight bit of a personality. She doesn't just agree with everything. Like I'm skipping ahead when the fairies tell her that she has to, you know, you're a princess, you have to go home and get married. She is miserable. She looks like she's being perp walked back to the castle. She's not happy. Yeah, well, I'm going to look forward to discussing that because the reasons why are yeah, kind of weird, but they are. You're but... right. We I I I think I liked her because she was um she had more fun to her yeah. than the Disney princesses we've really seen before who are very much more graceful which maybe that's why she didn't get blessed with grace so well she also grew up in a small cabin in the fucking woods you know when we first meet her she's not wearing any shoes she's running around vibing i wrote down aurora doesn't have time for shoes i get that Mm -hmm. so she goes off to do things and the aunts well two of the aunts are like we're gonna make a cake and i'm gonna sew her dress granted we've never done any of these these things before but we don't need magic because like we're good we'll figure it out and Meriwether is like, that's a terrible idea. How did they survive for 16 years if they didn't know. know how to cook or sew or anything like that? It's like, who would, who's even going to teach Aurora to do this stuff? Who's also known as Briar Rose is her. Yeah, that's a really name. weird not name. Yeah. But yeah, how is how are they feeding her? Right? Does she just eat nuts and berries? Maybe the animals feed her. Maybe that's how she gets her nutrition. Because she goes out into the woods and she like sings and she's so good at all the animals come to see her. And my favorite part of the scene is when a squirrel pushes an owl out of a tree and it lands in her basket. (laughs) (laughs) That owl is great. I did. I really liked the animal interactions in this. I I wrote down that I want a basket owl. I would love a basket owl. Yeah. And she's, she's singing a song. 
about how she met a man in her dreams. Because once again, it's the titular song. Yes. I actually kind of liked her lead into this where she's like, my aunts tell me I can't have any friends, but I met somebody. And the animals exchange a look and she goes, eh, it's just in my dreams. <laughs> that was that was like a very like 16-year-old thing to me. It's yes, like, it I met someone. They're my fantasy. At least she admits it. Um, but Philip hears her magical voice and his horse at first does not want to go. He wants to investigate the voice, uh, but the horse says no. So am I wrong or did we, do we kind of cut back and forth yes. to her in here and then the fairies at home? We do. Yeah. We cut I... back and forth between Aurora, Philip and the fairies until Aurora and Philip meet up with each other. But until, while they're separate locations, it's a bit of a chick, chick, chick. Yeah, Aurora, yeah, Philip, fairies, Aurora, fairies, Philip, or fairies, Aurora. Not quite that chaotic, but yeah, we do cut back and forth. So by this point, the prince is twenty-two. Something. If like we that. imagine we that he was six when he yeah, so I was gonna say if we imagine he's six, then by now he's twenty-two, twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. So, just saying, little creepy through this lens, this modern lens for a twenty-two-year-old to be obsessed with a sixteen-year-old. I know they don't know their ages when they first meet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And she sounds like she's in her 20s. But I do totally have to wonder if there's a lot of modern guys that have based their, um, well, I didn't know that she was underage off of this movie. Because Prince Philip is kind of that way. A little bit. I will say there's one thing I did like about Philip right away, which is he's riding his horse. whose name is Samson. And Samson is like, I don't want to go investigate that voice. So instead of forcing him, what Philip does is go, is bribe his horse. He goes, well, okay, how about I give you some, an extra bucket of oats and some carrots? And I wrote down, Philip knows how to animal because he's like not wasting his breath convincing his horse that this is a worthwhile quest. He's like, well, fine. You don't want to go, but I do. So how about I just pay your way? Well, it's again, talking about like these characters have more personality. This is yes. the most personality we've seen in a prince, a Disney yeah. prince. He has an actual semblance of, he has a name, he has a background, and he has independent scenes. Yeah. He has scenes that don't involve Aurora. Like, any scene with the prince involved Cinderella in Cinderella, even if it was, like, the one scene he was actually in. But he has his own, you know, bit of a personality here. You know, they go charging through the woods, excuse me, following the voice, and I think the horse runs under something too, too low, so he gets swept off the back of the horse, falls into the river, and when Samson comes back to check on him, he just looks at his horse and goes, no carrots. I like that. That was great. That was a it good was, scene. Yeah, th- th- yeah, it was fun. And that cuts us back to Aurora, who's singing about this man, and the animals see Philip hanging his coat, hat, and taking off his boots to dry. And logically, they're like, I got a plan. Let us crime let us crime together yes and this is where we um yeah okay so (laughs) i wrote that the animals are pulling a bit of a sex crime by fooling aurora by getting into all of these outfits and pretending to be her her boyfriend but she does immediately recognize them as the animals yeah and it was kind of like taking two kids in a trench coat to like a whole new level like five animals in outerwear yeah yeah and so she she sings and dances um and philip that he finds her because he noticed they stole his clothes yeah and he does get them back 
mm-hmm. by casually slipping into a song with Aurora, like listening, overhearing her singing, mm-hmm. and then reprising it with her. He's so smooth too because he's like, we've done. He, she's like, we've never met. He goes, we have met before. You just said so once upon a dream. I'm like, dude, that's smooth, right? Um, and then of course, like through their conversation, Aurora's kind of trying to play coy and be like, I'm sorry, I can't I can't talk to you. I can't mm-hmm. see you. Um, which I yeah. I just had to draw again twenty she something her back to him a lot. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> but they they obviously connect um and spend some wonderful time together. Mm-hmm. And while that's all happening, we are flipping back to the, the fairies failing but saying Miserably. some amazing lines like there's this is... so many good lines when we see them failing at the baking of the cake and the making of the dress there is a plus dialogue yes so they're they're split up because again doubling down doubling down flora is just like all right i'm going to assign fauna to bake who sucks at baking and I'm going to make the dress and Meriwether, you're going to help me with the dress. And Meriwether tries to protest and is like, but we suck at these. Yeah, we don't know how to do this. And um, there's a wonderful scene where we try to attempt to see a Fauna fold eggs into what apparently is a bread dough that she's using for a cake batter. <laughs> yes. I, I have such a weird, distinct nostalgia memory for watching that scene and being like, but what kind of dough is it that you can fold eggs in? Yeah. I have no idea. But she takes that literally and folds in two raw eggs with shells. Yes. And then cracks them. (laughs) Yes. But to her credit, she at least has the decency to look surprised because she's at least like, I don't think that was supposed to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite lines is when they're, you know, they do that thing like, how does the cake look? And Flora's like, oh, it's, it's great. It's great. Uh, great. She's like, how's the dress? It's like, oh, it's um, very unique. And Meriwether pops up by going, it looks awful. And Flora immediately answers her. That's because it's on you, dear. I wrote that too. I loved that. I, lo- I love that line. And I love that we're watching the medieval version of Nailed It. Yes. <laughs> mm. That's the name of that show. I was trying to tell somebody that the other day, but I was failing at the name. But that's because you have to say it the right way. You can't just call it Nailed It. You have to be like, <laughs> I know, but I couldn't even do that. I just, I was remembering everything else about the show. I was like, the French guy with the chocolate and Nicole Byers, the host. Like, chocolate. I know. Um, Meriwether ultimately wins though and she's like she brings up accurately though she's like we can't like alright look at this ha- this mess of a cake and this horrible dress you tell me what the birthday girl's gonna think about this huh yeah yeah and I so I had to sketch yep. the, the cake because eventually they do attempt to make the cake and it just turns into this incredible like 13 layer sculpture loopy thing and it yeah. turns out it's because uh she made the cake and added the frosting before baking it so it's just raw batter i was like how is it staying up a plus that's question. magic right there seriously and then we do get to see kind of the finished version <laughs> of the dress which i absolutely love meriwether's face in it yes, yeah me too. that's me 98 percent of my days mm-hmm. it's her face but 
Yeah, Meriwether asked the right question, where she's like, it doesn't matter what you and I think of the dress. This dress is for Rose, and so is the cake. And what the hell do you think she's going to think of this mess and that mess? Yeah. And that's when they concede, go get the wands, and start magically making a cake and a dress. You have to wonder, how much time? How much time did they think any of this stuff would take? Because again, we have no idea how they've survived for 16 years, but they no. just expected to be able to make a dress and a cake. In a day. In a day. And or not only a dress. Possibly in an hour, because we have no idea how long they sent Sleepy Sleeping Beauty out to her, her... Berry picking. Berry picking, which should probably take like 15 minutes. Max. Yeah. I have no idea, but... We cut away from them to see, well, we don't necessarily, we're doing this in our discussion because we kind of, whatever. Mm-hmm. At the end of the conversation with Philip and Aurora, she, she goes to, I will say, he at least asks her name. He says, what's your name? And that's when she's like, I can't tell you my name. And starts running away. And he's like, wait, well, how, I want to see you again. What, where are like, how can I find you? What? And she, he goes, when will I see you again? She's like, never. Oh, never, never, never. Well, maybe tonight. That was I a can't change. So, okay, question. Uh-huh. What's the point of giving Aurora the code name of Briar Rose if you're not going to tell anybody your name? And two, what's the point of saying, oh, I have to be very secretive and can't tell you my name, but I can tell you my exact living location? Yes, because she tells him, meet me in the cottage in the woods at like this t- tonight. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't mix it up with the Snow White Dwarf Cottage. Agree. But back at said cottage, this is where the whole thing starts happening. Because now that the dress is being made, and I did write in here that one note I had was that the dress making was somewhat accurate, even though it's being done by magic. There's a scene where um, Flora is guiding the um, the needle and thread to sew the sleeve. And you see it sewn inside out and turned right side out before being attached to the garment. Um, little Disney details, but... Hear it. Yeah. The they actually end up getting caught. This is when Maleficent re-enters the equation. And it's because Meriwether and Flora can't stop arguing over what color the dress should be and magically changing it. So they're basically sending magical fireworks up into the air, and the raven who's flying around, Diablo sees it and is like, Well, that's definitely magic. I I'm asking too much, but I just want to understand how magic magics like this. Like <laughs> I don't I don't fully understand it, but what I did really understand was that this was our first instance of uh Chekhov's pink blue dress. Dude, which I very much my nerves liked. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> For about twelve seconds it was funny. But Oh yeah, they hear Rose coming back. That's what stops it all. That's what stops the pink and blue fight. Um and right before she walks in, I like the line, um, I think Flora asked, Who left the mop running? <laughs> I, I, magicking. <laughs> yeah and then Meriwether just goes stop mop yep, um, and it does I also wrote that I think that Mickey should have apprenticed under Meriwether instead of Yen Sid Agreed. in the Sorcerer's Apprentice he would have learned a lot better about cleaning he would have learned how to manage your magical brooms that's for sure well Aurora comes in oh excuse me Rose comes in And she's really excited um, to see them. And she's so excited to tell them about this man, this, this guy she's met. And the fairies are super confused. And one thing I like is that she says, we've met before. And then she does the like once upon a dream joke. But the thing is, she's actually right. They have met before. 
she she is right but the thing is no it though. knows yes she has nobody no idea that she's right but she is um and yeah this is like the third refrain of uh once upon a dream i love how much vibrato both philip and aurora have when they sing it's so deep and resonant yes <laughs> like i think um every single syllable that Philip sings his vibrato. I know you, you're in your eyes. Well, if I recall correctly, the voice actor behind Prince Philip is uh, a trained opera singer. I believe that. So it, that's how he was able to kind of bring this gravitas, but then at the same time make his voice sound a little bit younger. Because I think at the time he was about 40 when he voiced this 22 year old <laughs> hmm. yeah it's definitely a very as you said a uh, deep operatic singer yep he is uh who he became a broadway theater producer in his later life makes sense but yeah this is when the fairies tell aurora and they tell her everything all at once by the way oh They're- they they don't they yeah they they info dump on her everything that she needs like they're like oh by the way here's much you can't ever see this guy again why not oh it's because you're already engaged to a prince because you're a princess and we're taking you back home to your parents who you don't have any memory of uh tonight so put on this dress and put on this gown we have to go immediately what what were you guys doing for the other 15 and three quarter years that you could have (laughs) did you just forget this but like this is also where i feel like aurora definitely acted more like a 16 year old because her face is very static throughout kind of getting all this information besides kind of the shocked general like oh god information's being thrown at my face but it seems like the thing that she like mostly stuck on was the fact that she can't see this random guy that she suddenly fell in love with and not the rest of by the way you're a princess no she handles the rest of that really well um, but as you said, it's because she doesn't get to see this boy again. So she does, she runs upstairs and, and does a fling and cry. She literally says, after all, I am 16. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's time for her no. to do a fling and cry. It's time for her to do a fling and cry. As you said, everyone deserves a good fling and cry. It's fun. You should try it. If you're having a moment, there's a surface near you, try it. It actually feels very cathartic. It's the extra drama. It helps. It's not, it sounds like I'm making a joke. I'm not. In the well, same it way also they say magic. Do it. Yeah, but I mean, you know how they say that if you that when people like swear when they're in pain, it actually helps the relief a little bit. It's cathartic. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing works. But I would um, agree. It's true. But we we don't have time for that now because it's time for a drinking song and the drunkest serving bard. I love this bard. I love this bard. This bard is great. I also love King Hubert, who is uh, Prince Philip's father, uh, who is also Jock. From Lady and the Tramp. Again, I I I really loved Hubert. He seemed like the fun um uh father-in-law. I guess oh, he's yeah. the father-in-law. Yes. And he, he just seemed overjoyed to be like, yes, let us celebrate our children coming together, even though Prince Stefan is like, I don't even know if my daughter's alive. Yeah. Um I wrote that Hubert is, I think, the twin of the uh the prince's dad in Cinderella. Because he is the same way. He's like, get them married. Have them kids. I've already built them a house. 
Well, it's funny. He he makes it seem like I only drew up plans. Here, look at this plan for this house for um our kids. And Stefan goes, plans? He goes, well, it's already built. Got me. I'm like, yeah, of course Hubert point? already built this. Yes. He had 16 okay. years. To... I have a question to you. What's the point in having a door closed if people just open it to talk to you? That's a good question. And I no longer work in an office. So. This isn't an office. This is my house. I know. I'm just saying. I hate you. <laughs> but I'm sorry. You were saying about Hubert. What? Okay. This was the other thing. Like, why does Stefan be like, oh my God, I have no idea what planning is. You have had 16 fucking years. Yeah. You saw to your get your get shit engaged. together. Yeah. Hubert built a whole castle in and 16 years. But I do like how surprised Stefan was where he was basically just like, wait, 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 like, wait, 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 slow it down, slow it down. We can't do this already. Um, He's, he's digging in his heels a little bit about it, but does the drinking song come before or after the fake fight? So the drinking song comes before because that's when, um, that's like after is when uh i can't remember which king says this but they call the other king an old windbag and yes, i'm like it does. i, I guess this old windbag came up again yeah yeah uh but yeah this the drinking song is scumps scumps, scumps. it's a fun song I, I think that everyone should yeah you should just raise your glass and you should have to do scumps scumps to, it's night the look is rosy, the future is bright. Our children will marry, our kingdoms unite. Scumps, scumps, scumps. Yeah, I think I got the key wrong, but it's because it's a drinking song. I mean, well, I like I, scumps. I like scumps. I have no idea what it means. Scumps. I Googled it because I was like, what language is this drinking song from? It's apparently from the language of Sleeping Beauty. It's just scumps, 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 scumps. If they, uh, okay. A toast to this night. Just say the word scumps. Scumps. uh, But in the melody of Once Upon a Dream, please. Okay. Scumps, 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 scumps. Yes. You know, what's funny is that uh, the practical folks made that same joke. Did because, they? they did because um, the the actual melody from Scumps, where they say Scumps three times, is the same melody as Scumps, Scumps, Scumps. That's the real melody. A gleam in your eyes is so familiar, a gleam. It's the same tri-melody. It's just that part. They didn't borrow the rest, but it goes... I know you. The it's that part. Mm-hmm. Scumps, scumps, scumps. The gleam in your eyes. So yeah. So what we what we're really trying to say with this podcast is, if you are finding yourself in a situation where you need to sing "Once Upon a Dream" but you do not remember the words, it's fine. Just replace every single word with scumps. Just scumps. You're fine. Just scumps. Just scumps your way through it. Or just say one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> just waltz it, waltz yeah, your waltz way through it. the song. Yeah. Waltz it out. But yeah, they eventually start having a fight. And it's because Stefan brings up a valid point. And his point isn't even yeah. like they're not going to get married, but it's mostly just like, what if they don't like like each other? Like, I don't, I haven't even seen my daughter in 16 years. I want to spend time with her. Like, what if she doesn't like yeah. him? What if he doesn't like her? Well, these aren't things to worry about. We're kings. 
Yes. So they start fighting and Hubert's weapon of choice is a fish. And Stefan's shield of choice is just a serving platter, which is great. These are true drunk, very rich men, quote unquote, yes. fighting. Yes. Uh, and I... Show me your doodle. Okay. My doodle is not about the fighting. My doodle <laughs> is of the bard yeah. who gets so drunk on the wine that he falls asleep under the couch. And I think he skumped too hard. He skumped too hard and he falls asleep with his head in the loot. Yes. Um, but the pompous old windbag thing comes because, uh, Hubert yells at Stefan. He's like, you pompous old windbag. And then the fish wilts for lack of a better word. It goes flaccid. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> um, but immediately after this fight, by the way, King Stefan comes right around. He's like, oh, it's fine. They'll get married and have grandkids and live in this castle. It'll be fine. It, this was definitely like like again like that moment when you get really really drunk and you take something that somebody else said wrong and the two of you are both very drunk so you get into an argument for about half a second before you forget whatever it was you were saying yep <laughs> um but they don't have time to keep talking because philip comes back and i this kingdom has nothing better to do than have everyone standing around for when philip rides to the kingdom to just cheer at him fucking philip is elvis that's what it is like he he's is. treated to the same level of just fandom and he can't stop himself from singing once upon a dream but before that i love that the king runs down his own doorsteps he yes so blundering down the front steps of the castle and yes uh philip begins to serenade him with once upon a dream yeah. And he declares he's going to marry this peasant girl. And when his dad is outraged, Philip goes, but father, this is the 14th century. <laughs> I wrote that down. I too. loved that. Um, and I also like how Hubert was like, you're not serious. And then he looks at the horse and goes, is he? And the horse nods. I'm like, you know, this family just, they just get each other in a funny way. Cause he's like, I got to ask my, my, uh, my son's wingman, the horse. Yeah. 100%. And like, and this is where also Hubert uh, is trying to argue with Philip and be like, but you already have a wife. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going betrothed. to be marrying this. And this is where, if only Aurora didn't immediately go, no, you cannot have my name. And Prince Philip apparently did not shout, but hey, I'm Phil. Like, <laughs> just talk Call to me each out. other. Call me out. For, for two seconds and giving each other him. their names. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he asked her name. She didn't give her his, her hers. And to also, to be fair, he didn't give her his either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know why Philip couldn't have just, like, yelled after her. But I'm Phil, Philly, Phil, Phil, Will, over here. Philip, find me at the castle. The yeah. big one. You can see it from any window. I'm a prince. You know, <laughs> it's easy to find. I'm here uh, for a princess. I can <laughs> sniff him out. Um, Back to Aurora, though. She looks like she a death row prisoner being led to the guillotine. Wrote that she was a zombified. <laughs> oh my gosh, she is wearing it's it's the long cloak, which is part of it, with the hood. Mm -hmm. So again, very much like dark prisoner. And she is being escorted by the fairies, and she's got her head down, like she's like dun 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 dun. It's like she's just the funeral procession, yeah. Yeah, and she uh the fairies bring her to this tower. Why don't they bring her right to her parents? Okay, like, so directly to her mother's arms. 
I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but this okay. is really where the movie kicks off. And it's true. The first like 30 minutes more of the movie, I write down timestamps here, but the mm-hmm. first like um, 40, I think 40 or so of the minutes are basically Snow White in her fucking off and doing stuff in the woods. I was so perplexed by the fact that the fairies just take her to Rapunzel's tower. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's no communication whatsoever with the prince. Why did, why could Fauna not just divert from the rest of the crew and be like, hey, I'm just going to let Prince Stefan and, and Queen What's-Her-Face know that their daughter is here and safe? Yeah, we're keeping her here until like the stroke of midnight, but she's here. She's alive. Because Stefan says, I don't even know if she's alive. Like, we, she's here. Don't worry. How did they, how did they get in without seeing any guards or anything else? Dude, to I don't freaking know. It was too convenient. But Aurora's sad, so she just starts crying. And instead of comforting her, the fairies decide to give her a moment alone. We're we're watching you like a hawk for sixteen years, but right now we understand that you just need some me time. Mm-hmm. What? Be right outside. And um. that's when maleficent yeah maleficent not herself she sends her ghastly green energy her gaseous form (laughs) yes to enchant aurora and i wrote down that in her enchanted form lit up like that she looks like madeline khan in dracula dead and loving it yes when she was enchanted by dracula it looks just like her yes yes with the like low lighting and everything i was expecting to hear lucy Come to the window from Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> but instead, she walks into a door in the fireplace. And why in the Baldur's Gate <laughs> is there a door in the fireplace? What? Well, it was clearly, oh, what what is it called in Harry Potter? It's the flume transportation system. A port key? Is it a port key? I thought there was a term like when you walk in. Okay. An apparate to apparate, maybe, maybe that's it. For some reason, the word flu oh, keeps flu, coming up with in the my fireplace. Mind. A flu, flu powder, flu. flu. Powder. Do you know that's why it. that was confusing to me? In yeah. the Pendragon books, the divide the the thing you step into to transport between territories is called a flume. Oh, so what? I was really confused. I was like Pendragon? That's not Harry Potter. Oh, no, but- I remember they took they take flu powder throw it into a fireplace and then do a thing. Sorry. I was. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in Harry Potter, they do that. And that's yes. their way of like fast traveling to places. Yes. 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 So maybe that's, maybe but that's where that like inspiration she, like, walks from. through. Maybe. Yeah. But, she does um, make like a secret door. Like, yes. Maleficent and, is like, come into this door. Um, child. And she follows this green glow further up into a, a tower. So this is a tower within a tower. And then the green glow turns into a spinning wheel, which, like, if the magic was going to turn into a spinning wheel, why didn't it just turn into that in the room? Like, right next to her. Yeah, once again, is this, like, we don't know enough about why the fairies bring her to this room. Maybe it is a room that's somehow protected from magic, but not thoroughly. Clearly. Got in through air vents. But, yeah, I, I don't understand why Maleficent couldn't have just shown up and been like, hey, happy birthday, I got you a spindle as a gift. Like, just a reprise of basically what she did when she was first born. Mm-hmm. It certainly would have made things pretty simple. I absolutely love, though, that the 
The fairies entertain me so much because they actually come back into the room just to see in time to see Aurora disappearing through the fireplace. Yeah. And Aurora is doing the slow, dramatic walk. Couldn't they catch up to her? Uh, no, apparently. Even no. with all of their magic, they couldn't have magic the door closed or anything like that. They can't do nothing to stop this. Yes. And um, they... They don't make it in time, so they get up and Maleficent. I absolutely love Maleficent. <laughs> she must have just like just finished draping her cloak over Aurora by the time the door opened. Or the fairies were taking a really long time. Do you think that she was waiting up there for like an hour with Aurora asleep? Just like where, where are they? The oh, fairies. Dear. They're taking so long. The fairies got lost. It's a very Spinal Tap, Hello Cleveland moment where they're just kind of running around the <laughs> castle, but they don't know where yes. Aurora actually ended up. So Maleficent's just up there like, ha any moment now they'll come in. Any, any mo She actually hey, sat I down at sandwich. one point in time. Yeah. Do you want some of the sandwich that I have? I was going to have it for yeah. lunch, but they might be in. <laughs> I think originally she maybe even had Aurora on the bed, but then she was like, no, 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 this is better. Yeah. <laughs> she like, sat her up against the wall for a second. I was like, no, she looks dead. Try this way. She I had weekend at Bernie's. You yes, um, oh but God, yeah, that would have been an amazing version of this movie. Been, they, yeah, they walk in and she's got her she's got an arm around her. Like, look, Aurora and I become fast friends. That's right, Maleficent, we're buddies now. See, Aurora, <laughs> our Maleficent's kind of making Aurora's mouth move. Yeah, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> but sadly, that's not what happens. Maleficent vanishes and goes back to the cabin. Wait, does she go to the cabin first and then get Maleficent? I mean, get then get Aurora? No, she, so Aurora gets Spindle zombified break. and pulled in. And uh -huh. I think it's not until um, Aurora actually touches the spindle I remember. that then, she, then Maleficent kind no. of, because Maleficent says the mistress of all evil. And no, then I, I shake the fucks off, right? Yes, but I remember what happens now. Because yeah. now Flora brings her excellent decision-making skills back in and is like, well, we're going to put everyone to sleep. So they're going yeah. around putting everyone to sleep and putting out the the candles, which I appreciate because Mary Mother clearly cares about fires not starting. But Well, this is... Mm -hmm. so, so this is after they show up, realize that she's in the coma, yes. and the fairies just kind of panic for a period of time instead of, again... Thinking. telling anyone yeah and that's when flora's like oh uh because i think fauna is like what are we going to tell the king and flora goes uh we're not <laughs> we'll put flora's them to sleep psychopath. until she awakens yeah flora's a psychopath it's like i'm sorry what's good yeah but they decide to just do this they're putting everyone to sleep and as they're putting they put the queen to sleep they put king stefan to sleep and as they're putting king hubert to sleep King Hubert had just mustered up the courage to tell Stefan, hey, uh, Philip says he's going to marry this girl in the woods. Yeah. And that's what I think is Meriwether. Or I actually think it's Fauna who overhears it. Or Flora. Flora one of them overhears him telling the story. And she's like, what are you talking Flora. about? Flora. Flora's like, what are you talking about? Tell me about the girl in the woods. He's going to marry who he's in love with her. What, 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 what? Wake up, wake up, wake up. And <laughs> Hubert like mumbles at her because she's put him under a magical sleep. He's like, Oh, girl in the cabin. Yeah. 
uh, Flora, this is your, okay. Once again, doubling down on bad decisions. Instead of, I don't know, telling the people in charge what happened and maybe coming up with a plan. Getting some help. Getting some help. Flora's like, nope, fuck it. Let's just pause time for literally everyone in this entire kingdom. Don't know if this includes animals. I hope so. Seriously. Um, And with your own spell, you go up to King Hubert and you're just like, oh, wait, I need to hear what you said. I can't reverse the spell that I just cast on you. I can't. Uh-uh. There's no, no, nothing there that would allow me to actually listen to what you said. So. Well, as they say in witchcraft, so often what has been done cannot be undone. So what you're saying is that these are are not just fairies, but they're witches. Well, you need to cast another spell then. You need to cast the unasleep spell. Mm. But <laughs> I guess that's the kiss. Yes. Um. So they go oh. racing back to the cabin. Oh. <laughs> I had another thought about this as I was watching it. So we watched the entire um, the entire kingdom get magically put under. Can you imagine being part of a D&D group, like a Dungeons and Dragons group, and you're traveling along and you just find this kingdom where everyone's asleep? Oh, you'd be looting everyone. You would be looting everyone and you would be trying to reverse the curse and you would, would you? kill the fairies. Like the fairies would be the bad Evil. guys. Yeah, because you'd be like, you curse them. But yeah. um, they go running back to the for- the the cabin, but they're too late because um, Philip, as promised uh, by Aurora, he showed up to meet her there. But Maleficent's waiting, <laughs> just waiting in the corner, pretending to be your sixteen-year-old bride. I absolutely, I think her line is something like, "I'd laid a trap for a peasant, but I believe I've caught myself a prince." Yes another great line so good so good good line so uh the goons tackle him and they bring him back to her castle where the fairies the fairies come to the castle and they see the goons celebrating around a fire and maleficent sitting on the throne and i wrote down is this on the labyrinth mood board so the the fairies get tipped off that maleficent took the prince and that apparently they know where to find her because they they see the the telltale hat Yes, yeah, they got to the cabin and they see his hat's been left behind. Yeah, and it 100% looked like Labyrinth to me. Like, this yeah. is, this is, so we are at about the 30 minute, like, we have 30 minutes left yes. in this movie. And this is where it really kicks off because then the quest get to go, uh, the fairies get to go on the quest to the Forbidden Mountain. Yes. Um, and they go to the dungeon where Philip's being held. And they basically tell him, we can't explain anything at all to you. They use magical welding to break his the shackles on his wrists and ankles. And they give him, is it the sword of truth and the shield of... Ah, fucking hell. Oh my gosh. Sword of truth and shield of virtue. Yeah, yeah. This is... Um... We have about 15 minutes left in the movie, and this is when Prince Philip actually learns, uh, but has no reaction to who Aurora is, too. Oh, yeah, that's where they're like, that girl in the woods, she's really Princess Aurora. Come on, you have to go to her. Um, And they start to get themselves out. And I wrote, I like this fighting with good magic. Like, they say early on, the fairies are like, we can't use our magic for bad, only for good. So when, like, I think it's arrows shoot at them, they Mm -hmm. use their magic to turn them into flowers yeah i liked that 
Um, but I do like how they're basically like, we can't help you with this fight, Philip. So take the sword, take the shield. We're just going to hang here. Oh, I have another Maleficent line. Okay. Th- that we skipped over. So when, um, when Maleficent is torturing Philip, uh, she says, for the first time in 16 oh, yeah. years, I shall sleep well. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I apparently need to kill a sleeping beauty so that I can sleep well. Like that's. And she also revealed that her punishment for Philip, she's not going to kill him. She's not going to hurt him. She's just going to wait for him to get old yeah. and then send him back to wake her up. Yeah, that's that's so petty. I love it. It is so petty. Yeah. Um, but the fairies free him and as the goons are trying to shoot them down they turn all this stuff into good magic but um, the raven is really alerting the goons to where they are so they'll escape and the raven sees them is like over here <laughs> so the fairies turn the raven to stone which is I believe the first casualty of the movie I think you're right aside from yeah. gobos yes but they kill they kill the raven and Maleficent curses them by saying, like, she'll unleash the powers of hell. And I just want to know if Disney can say hell in movies today. I don't know I think they can. can in certain, oh, okay. um, cause, cause I think Maleficent was also being like literal there. That's what I mean. Being literal. Yeah. I think that they can. I mean, oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they could. We shall, you know what? We'll find out. Find out. Yeah. It is true. I, but, I also just yeah. want to note how like the <laughs> so from Philip getting his weapons and then like starting on this like parade of death he has 13 minutes to face all of these unknown trials of evil and wake up Aurora and apparently have the ending of the movie he's speed running it he is he ate the mushroom he did um and Maleficent tries to kill him by, and when it doesn't succeed and he manages to escape and is riding back to the castle, she mm-hmm. sends basically a wall, a conjures a wall of thorns around the castle. She's like, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also distinctly remember this scene from when I was a kid because I remember it being somewhat terrifying. Yeah. To see all the thorns, but then watching it back, I'm like, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I but I can see where this was a scary scene for kids. I can understand yeah. that. Um, but he does make it through the thorns, and that's when Maleficent goes full dragon. And I just want to know why she didn't go full dragon first. I guess the you'd never you never go full dragon. Never go full dragon unless you're pushed to the edge. I was waiting for that to come up, but yeah, this is when <laughs> she, this is when the iconic dragon fight happens. Yes. And... The one that if you've been to Disney World, you might have seen because they do this like every night. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, this fight goes on for a few minutes, but it ends when the fairies enchant the sword basically to like fly true and, and triumph over evil. So once again, they are the only people involved with a casualty. Two deaths in the movie, both at the hand of the good fairies. Also, did you not just say that they could not use their powers for evil and the, That's what let they, they use their powers to kill? Right? To be fair, <laughs> they said it, not me. That I hey. How dare you? I I'm agree. I'm I'm just so like 
technicalities here because also earlier when philip is trying to get through all of the vines the fairies mm-hmm. help by just plinking off like little vines so yeah. that he has a clear path why could they not just get rid of all of the vines seriously i don't understand their magic is weird pick and choose that's what it is but it's okay because Maleficent's dead and Philip kisses Aurora and everyone's starting to wake up just in time. Yep, the yada yada yada. Just we, in time we, to see uh, them walking down the stairs truly in love. Yeah, we get a we get a wonderful wedding slash debutante ball at the same time. Yes. And I I really want to know who the wedding planner was because they're very on top of it. Agree. This is the same kingdom that has the same day balls in Cinderella. There are a lot of parallels between this and Cinderella. Very many. Um, But one thing that's not consistent is at the end, Cinderella doesn't end with two fairies changing her dress back and forth between pink and blue. Pink, no blue. Yeah, the, the... We end with the king and queen also having just kind of a like, yay, I guess our daughter's alive. Hooray. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy about that, but I'm not going to bug really them. show it. Yeah. And Aurora and Prince Philip having their first dance, I guess. I guess. Where, where Aurora's dress is changed from pink to blue, pink to blue, all of that stuff. Um, The magical color t- changing dress that so many have tried to replicate in years yes. since uh that's that's sleeping beauty that's sleeping beauty and i i do think that it's worth pointing out that even though they continue to change that color changing dress Mm -hmm. um the very last end shot is of another illustrated manuscript with uh sleeping beauty aurora in her blue dress so i think blue has to be canon it is also the color that the dress is most and when she wears it when she initially wears it when she falls asleep it's blue it yeah yeah so once again Meriwether is the most correct agree <laughs> the fairies uh so what about what about sleeping we're getting into the realm of movies where we have more like complicated like and recommendation relationships with these movies so where did you fall down on this on sleeping beauty <clears throat> so i firstly i definitely recommend sleeping beauty i do think that people should watch it mm-hmm. but I personally am 50-50 on how much I liked it because mm-hmm. uh, as I was stating kind of at the beginning of this, I think I love the animation and the art direction of Sleeping Beauty, but the plot, not so much of a fan. Yeah. But where do you fall? I actually like and recommend this one. Maybe it's because I saw it as an adult and I was able to appreciate a lot more of it. Um, I think that the dialogue is interesting um, is funny and this is one of again one of those movies where you can see a lot of the foundation yes absolutely there's a lot of uh Sorry, excellent you have, you have anything you want to say to this jesus my dog just started barking like fucking loud um do you hear me i do hear that and i know why your dog's excited yeah it's good why why is he excited oh because of the next movie that we're going to be watching what's that well we are going to be we apparently took a little break from dogs this week, but we're going to get right back into it with 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> so I think your dog is just incredibly excited. He is. He's clearly very excited for 101 Dalmatians. Um, yes. But please continue your thought about your your like and recommendation. I 
I did. I do recommend it because I can tell that this is like Cinderella. You can see a lot of the foundations for future things coming up. There is, you know, the more personality in the prince. There is, you know, a little bit more dialogue among side characters. Uh, I I liked it. I liked it. I and I recommend it. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, I need to go figure out what's going. They're really loud. I'm going to go figure out what the hell that's going on with. So uh, until next week. So long, glamour boys. So long, glamour boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word. On Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word again. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco, because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys! (laughs) 